we um, are kind of in between series here, but um, uh, what I want to speak on today is our thing is, a, is is something that is is seasoning or, or, or uh, kind of where we're going in a sense and. It's kind of like how we view God. Are we in awe of God? One of the songs we sang uh, there talked about us being in awe of God. Um, that's when, you know, we've heard it said that when our problems begin to really surmount is when we've lost our awe in God. When we when we stay focused on God and who God is that and are in constant awe of Him, that's when things are kept in perspective. So my question would be to you, and, and just to think about two questions here very quickly, and I don't want you to shout out loud, but but two questions is is what the first one is what how, what is your view of God? You know, when when you think about God, how, what is your view of God? What is your perspective of God? Because our perspective of God's always going to come through even in our like in our prayers. When we go before God and we pray to him, our perspective of who he is will come through our prayers. Now, and I mean in 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 a way that even shapes our prayers. You know, we just sang the song that he is a good good father. Some of us may have not had a good father. Some of us have. If we haven't had a good father here on earth, we kind of transpose that and overlay that concept or that that perspective on our heavenly father. And, and we're very guarded. We may not trust. We we have these moments where we really struggle with this with this sense of trust with our father. But if we believe God is a is, is is a good father, we had a good father here on earth that was able to demonstrate some good qualities to us of what a what a father truly truly is. We we, we have a better perspective of of even God their father but we still can't come even close to understanding how good or how great God is as our father but even with that being said even if we say that I truly believe that God is a great father to me how does that shape your prayers literally when you go to God in prayer how does that shape your prayers because your perspective of that will definitely come through the way you pray if you hold God in this deep sense of awe and reverence, it's going to affect the way you pray. It's going to affect uh, the, 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 uh, the, your prayers in a very powerful way. The second thing would be this. Our perspective of God can make our prayers more effective. Now think about it for a second. The way you view God will come through your prayers. You may have a good view of God, but your prayers may be a little can be at times ineffective. Other times, they can be much more effective because of your view of God. Now, that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I know that sounds kind of confusing, right? Here's a great one. I'm going to really bury you in confusion right now. How many of you heard of a guy by the name of Habakkuk? Anyone? There, we got one, two, a couple of you, right? That's one of those fun names to say, Habakkuk. Right? That's kind of where saliva will shoot out. So if you're sitting close to me, I will not say it too many times. Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a minor prophet. When we look at the uh, Old Testament, uh, uh, when you kind of go through the story of the Old Testament, Genesis uh, through Esther, you really have the, the story. You don't have to read the whole Old Testament to get the story of what took place. Uh, but when you read through Genesis through Esther, you get the story of what took place uh, how God created the world, how God created these people called the Israelites, how they formed the nation, how God was their king, how they uh, began to lose sight of God, their perspective of God shifted. Uh, then God uh, reached out to them various times. Uh, and, and, and next thing you know, they were distant from God because they started bowing down to idols. 
And God said, that's, that's enough. I can't take this. So he, he punishes them. So that's kind of the story. And then when you pick up in the New Testament, Matthew, we read that God's not done. God continues to love his people, his creation. And he sends the Savior, the Messiah that was, that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. But when you look at the Old Testament, you read Genesis through Esther and then you read, then you get to the Psalms, right? And you read the Psalms and you read Proverbs and, uh, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes and, and those, those which we would call the wisdom or the uh, poetry books. And then after the poetry books, we read Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, who are called the major prophets. And then you have about 12 minor prophets, which Habakkuk is a minor prophet. The only difference there is between a major and minor prophet has been said that's just kind of the length of their, of their message uh, within, the, within the Scriptures, within the Bible. Now, here's the problem at times. When you and I sit down and read the Bible, we want to tend to read it as a book, right? We go from the beginning clear to the end and, and, and a lot of times we get into it and we're like okay i just this doesn't make sense now i just i got lost because we don't look at it and say genesis through esther is the story psalms and the the poetry and the and the and the, and the uh, wisdom books kind of add to that and then all these these prophets add to the story so you know what i'm saying we look at it kind of chronological in a sense like well genesis you got to read this 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 and this and we think that like habakkuk would be after genesis but in essence habakkuk was a minor prophet that came to the people during the time when they were departing away from god okay so you had the nation of israel real quick let me just share you had the nation of israel they after the greatest king david he was the it was the pinnacle of israel after him came one of his sons who uh, or came solomon Solomon did okay, right? And then after Solomon, one of his sons takes uh, the, the rulership and he divides the nation. Not intentionally, but he is so heavy-handed with things that the nation says, if you don't, if you don't uh, let, let lighten up on us, we're going to divide. So that's what we see happen. We see the nation split. Okay, it would be like the United States. At some point, if we said, okay, enough is enough, we're going to do this. This The East Coast is going to go this way. The West Coast is going to go this way. Okay? Now, don't drill down on that. Don't applaud or anything like that. Okay? It's just, I'm just trying to give you an example. So, so you'd have a division, right? Kind of maybe go back to Civil War. That would be a better way of looking at it. That's what happened to Israel. Ten of the tribes, so the nation divides, uh, ten of the tribes that make up the nation, they go to the north to form, to form the northern kingdom. Two of the tribes that make up that whole nation went to the south to form the southern kingdom. Now, as they are getting caught up in idolatry, uh, false idols and worshiping like that, God would send them prophets like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all the prophets, and he would say this. And some of them, someone would come and say this. If you don't stop, this is what's going to happen. That was their message. If you don't stop, God's going to do this. And it was very clear, very vivid, exactly what God was going to do. They were kind of like the caution light. There's still time to turn. There's still time to repent. There's still time to, to turn away from what you're doing. God's, God loves you. God doesn't want to see destruction happen to you. There's still time to repent. If they didn't repent, other prophets would come in and say, it's too late. God's coming. The, what's or, or God's punishment is coming, and so what happened? That's exactly what we saw. We saw prophets come in when we read it and study it. We saw these prophets come in. They prophesied to the northern kingdom. They prophesied to the southern kingdom. Neither kingdom listened. They didn't listen. They didn't turn from their ways. And so the northern kingdom gets taken over by Assyria, 
and they totally get dispersed. And then to this day, it's still being played out to where if you believe certain things in the eschaton or the end times, uh, those tribes are all going to come back together to form Israel at the last, uh, during the last times, okay? Before Jesus returns. And so, and so they get, they get dispersed. In the southern kingdom, the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember that story, if you've ever read it, they come over, the Chaldeans, they came over, the Babylonians came over, and they, in three waves, they took the people of the southern kingdom they wanted to take. They started with the leaders, and then they started with like more of the common people and the workers and things like that. Habakkuk prophesied during that invasion. And it's very interesting. And this is where, remember, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about how we view God, our perspective of God, and how it affects our prayers. And how at times, if we have the proper perspective of God, our prayers are more effective. I want to show you the prayer of Habakkuk. Okay? So if you would, turn with me to Habakkuk. All right? If you go to the middle of your Bible and go towards Genesis, you're going to, or I'm sorry, go to the, <laughs> I've really confused you, right? Go to Matthew and go towards Genesis, okay? And you're going to, it's just a couple books in, it's very short, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see Malachi, Zechariah, right? Zephaniah, and then you're going to run into Habakkuk. Alright? Everybody with me? Everybody's turning there. Everybody's looking because you want to have more effective prayer. My page number is 1142 or so, but it's not the book, the one out of the Bible. Or out of the pew. Does anyone have the pew Bible? You're already there? What page is that? 937. 4664. Okay. We're just going to throw all numbers at you and pick one. And if you hit it, man, you're on it. Okay. Did you get it, Linda? You go to, if you find Matthew and just kind of go back a few, just a few pages. Very, very short book. Okay. So this is what I want to share with you is a prayer found in uh, his prayer, okay? And what I, want to, what I want us to look at, there are two perspectives here. I want you to look at, there's two prayers that take place in Habakkuk's prophecy, okay? The first, now again, remember that the Babylonians are invading. He is right in the middle of it. He's in the thick of it. His people are getting invaded by foreigners. It's not good. It's bad. It's really bad, okay? And now listen to his first prayer during this invasion. Chapter 1, I'm going to read from the uh, Holman, uh, uh, Holman Standard Bible. It says this in verse 2. How long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence, and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing, oppression, and violence that are right in front of me? Strife is ongoing, and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges for the, uh, emerges for the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. That second verse though, listen to it again. How long, Lord? He's crying out. His heart is crying out. It's not good. God, this isn't good. This, these people are attacking us. 
They're destroying us. They're destroying the, 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 our, they're destroying who we are. How long must I call out to you for help? And you're not listening, God. Or cry out to you about this violence and you're not saving us. Now listen to that prayer. He's crying out, right? He's saying, when's it going to change? When are you going to show up? When are you going to take this, this persecution away? When are you going to, to make all this be different? And then something happens when we, God responds, and then we get over into chapter 3, and we read another prayer by Habakkuk. And this is his last prayer. And I want you to just think about this, because, again, this goes back to the questions, or the couple statements that I made, that our perspective of God comes through our prayers, and our perspective of God can make our prayers more effective, okay? Now listen to this prayer. You ready? Chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 there. It says this, or verse 2, really. Lord, I have heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. Do you see a shift in his prayer? One prayer is saying, God, you gotta, you gotta do something. How long must I wait? I don't, I'm not hearing you, God. God, you gotta come and you gotta save us. God, you gotta, you gotta make this stop. God, you gotta, you got, you got to pull it back, man. You've got to pull it back. This can't happen to our nation. And then later on chapter three, Habakkuk says this, God, I stand in awe of you. I've read the reports. I've, I've, I recognize what you've done in the past. God, I hear what you're saying to me. I hear what you're communicating to me. And the answer to my first prayer, I hear you. God, I stand in awe of you. I stand in awe of you, of your deeds. Revive your work here. Revive your work. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. There is a huge shift. The first one is, hey man, this isn't good. You've got to come and you've got to save us. The second one is this, God, this isn't really about us per se. This is about you. Do you see the difference? There is a huge difference. It's, it's a difference between shifting from ourselves onto God and saying, you know what, God? At the end of the day, this is all about you. And I stand in awe of who you are. I stand in awe of you. His prayer completely shifted. There's some components that I want to share with you very quickly about his prayer. Number one, it was done in complete humility. There was this shift that happened. And not that his prayer, not that his first prayer, not listen to me. I'm not saying that his first prayer was wrong. I'm just simply saying, can you see a difference in his prayers? Can you see a difference in his perspective of who God is and how God should respond and, and, and his perspective in a sense of, of, of what God should do in this particular situation? In the first one, it's like, God, come save us. And the second one is, God, do your work. God, come and save me. God, come and save us from this. The next one is, God, this is about you. You do your work. You revive us. And if this is what's got to happen, God, then so be it. 
If we're going to only be revived because this has to happen, then God, so be it. Because I stand in awe of you and you are everything. And God, it starts with you. It it begins with you. it, It sustains in you and it ends with you. God, do your work. And if it's through this invasion, if it's through this negative thing that's going to take place, that is taking place, because this was happening right in the middle of his prayers, he says, God, let it be. Revive us then. Let what you're doing revive us. He comes with humility. He comes into the presence of God and he has this shift. And again, not that the first one was wrong, but he has this sense of of humility before God to say, God, this is about you. God, this is about you. That's called humility. When we come into our prayers, and a lot of times, and I want to be very careful here because I don't want to sound... I don't want to sound preachy. I don't want to sound judgmental. I don't want to come off harsh at all. Because I'm with you. I'm in this. But have you ever stopped? And and maybe you're not like this. I will put myself out there. There are times where I catch myself praying. And I hear myself. And it's all about I, 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 I. God, I'm not feeling right. God, I don't feel well. And I don't mean just physically. I mean spiritually, emotionally, whatever. That doesn't mean that we can't pray those things. I'm simply saying, at some point, when does it become about God? For me, when does it become, when do I come into the presence of God saying, God, this is all about you. This is about you. And God, I recognize that I live in a broken world. God, I recognize that I, that I'm broken and, and there's times where that, that I, that I get off the, I get off the path and I need restoration here. But God, this is about you. It's this sense of humility that says, God, the, it's this sense of humility, I think, that, 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 that comes into our prayers that says, the only way that, that, that or not the only way, because this, but, but it's about, we commit, our hearts come in to this situation in, in a humbleness and contriteness before we begin to petition God, before we begin to appeal to Him of what it is that, that may be what it's about. It's saying, God, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I beg for your mercy, because I'm telling you what, I don't measure up to you. I don't measure up to you. And it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that I'm able to come into your presence and spend time with you and talk with you. That's called humility. The second thing is adoration. The second thing that makes a very, uh, or worship, that makes a very powerful, effective prayer is worship. Guys, I don't know if you've thought about this, but we're coming into the presence of God Almighty. Now, I'm not saying that we have to come in and we have to be fearful in a sense. But then on the flip side of the coin, I'm saying we need to come in with a bit of fear. This is God we're talking to. This is the creator of the world. Yes, he loved me because he sent his son. I get that. But at the end of the day, you don't measure up to God. It's by God's grace. It's by God's mercy. It's all about, it's, uh, it's about God that you are able to stand in his presence with the blood of Christ over you. It's by access through Jesus Christ's crucifixion that we're ever able to go into the presence of the one that is so holy. Do we, have we forgotten what holy means? Have we forgotten that holy means set apart? That holy means there's nothing else like this? The holy of holies, there is nothing ever like this. And it's so unique or so unlike anything else that it's even 
holy, 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 or whatever. And then you have Isaiah coming into the presence of God, and that's what he hears from these created beings that are just worshiping this God 24-7. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. And we have the audacity to come into God's presence at times and to, pre- and to present or appeal to Him certain prayers? Think about it. What in the world would you ever say if you're standing in the presence of God? Hey God, I'd just like to ask you a question. Why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let this take place? I get amused and I'm not... Please don't... I know we're human. Please don't hear this as being bad because I don't, I don't judge people for this but I just think it's kind of comical sometimes when people say first time I get to heaven I'm going to ask Paul what he meant by and I'm thinking are you flipping kidding me you're going to be in the presence of God and you're going to ask Paul what he meant by this or well I don't understand Calvinism and Arminianism and I need to talk to Paul about this uh, man we're in the presence of God at what point do we get it and understand out of humility, like kind of like Habakkuk here that says, you know what, God, I stand in awe of you. Maybe if we had a different perspective at times, these little desire, these things that get us all trapped up, maybe they would just not mean so much anymore. Maybe it just wouldn't mean so much. Maybe they wouldn't have so much weight to them. Habakkuk, and again, Habakkuk, the first prayer of his is spot on, but something changed. And Habakkuk has his prayer that is just about God and saying, God, this is about you. So he comes in, you see this sense of humility, you see this sense of adoration, and then you see this sense, his appeal to God's work, where he says, you know what, God, this is, again, this is all about you. God, this is all about you. He prays that God's, God's deeds, God's plans, God, what God is up to, He prays that those would be realized. Not His. It's not about come and save us from this stuff. But God, this is what you want to do. I pray that that happens. God, I pray. You see the difference? Now we're starting to pray into the will of the Father. Now we're starting to say, you know what? I may not understand how you're going about this. I may not see all the details, but God, I stand in awe of you, and I realize this is about you. And God, I pray that what it, what you're up to, what it is that you're desiring to do, may it be received. And Habakkuk. Because this is what it's all about, guys. When you look, again, back to the Old Testament, what was taking place, God was God said, if you don't turn, this is what's going to happen. If you don't turn from these ways, if you don't stop worshiping idols, if you don't stop sacrificing your children, literally, if you don't stop doing these things, I am going to, this is going to happen. And, and, and that's what happened. And Habakkuk says, then let that happen. But God, look what he prays. A little bit later in that verse, or in that chapter, he prays, the, or I'm sorry, in that same verse, uh, verse 2, revive 
your works in these years. You want to talk about a powerful prayer. I want you to really think about that. Because I would really like for us as a church to pray that. God, revive your work. Literally, renew. Make new again. Not refurbish, but make new. God, do a new work. God, make alive. And if you look at that word uh, in the in the uh, Hebrew, it literally means to to uh, a couple different things. It means to live, exist, enjoy life, because that's what's going to happen when we are renewed by God. When we live in in in, in what in the in the harmony with God, that's what happens. We, we begin to enjoy life. We, we, how we're supposed to enjoy life and we find life for the, for the first time. But look at this next one. To like anew. To recover. To be well. To make alive. To quicken. To preserve or to refresh or to rebuild. That, that, that concept of making anew. God, make it new. God, I'm praying for this, this new work. Make us alive. You know, during this time, as I said, They're going through all this idol worship. But let's face it, guys. They were spiritually dead. They were... The the climate of the spirituality of Israel, and then it divides into both nations. It was a desert. Their, their, Their spirituality was a desert. It had nothing to do with God. It had... You know, and even through one of his other prophets, I think it was Malachi, where God says, you know what? I'm done with your worship. You're going through the motions. You, you've got it down. You've got the pattern down. You've got the rituals down. You're very ritualistic. Yes, yes, yes. But I don't have your heart. I don't have any of that. And I want your heart. And Habakkuk is saying, God, make it happen. God, make it happen. May your spirit come. May your work come. And if it's through this invasion... If it's through the most negative thing that's going to happen to our nation, God, bring it on. God, make it happen. How many of us have the backbone to pray that for our lives, for our church, for our country? God, this is yours. Make it happen. Not for my sake, not for me, not to lessen it for me, but God, for you. This, we're dry. We're spiritually dry, God. We, I see it. May it happen. Habakkuk started to see this invasion. Now listen. Habakkuk began to see that this invasion by the Babylonians that was going to take over was paramount for their recovery. How many of us view things like that happening within our lives, within our church, within our nation, within our world, as a way that God is going to restore something. God is going to make something new. You see, we don't like to talk that way, do we? We're deceived. We've bought into the comfort. We've bought into life should be comfortable. We shouldn't experience any negativity. we bought into all of this. And when something happens that we can't understand, or we can't put together, or we can't fathomly get it, we want to go back, just kind of like the, remember the Israelites when they came out of, out of Egypt where it was so horrible, they get over here, and, and, and God's teaching them to depend upon Him. And what did they want us, what did they say? Oh, if we could just go back. 
Oh, it was so much better back here in slavery where we had to make bricks out of nothing, right? Where we cried out to God. That was so much better. Oh, God, please. And we, for some reason, for some reason, at times, the past, nostalgia takes over and it's always, it's always paradise back where we just came from. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not paradise. Maybe we need to understand that God's up to a work. And it's paramount that we go through something to get to the new. Habakkuk's prayer changed. His final prayer was, God, this is all about you. I want to do, what right now, what I want to do is, I want to close our time together. We're, we're, we're going to sing one last song, but before we sing that song, if you would, I want us to come forward and I want us to pray as a church. And I want us to pray that God would make His reality happen here. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how God's going to do it. There are times where we look at things and we, and we can't explain them, but yet we do. We say, well, it's because of this, 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 and this. Perhaps you don't know. Perhaps things that we go through personally, perhaps things we go through as a church, perhaps things that we go through as a nation, perhaps things we go through as a work, whatever, is all in God's design. That's a novel idea, isn't it? Perhaps it's in God's design. Perhaps God is wanting to make things new. So if you would, if you would be so moved or the Spirit would lead you, I want us to have just a moment where we're, we just come before God together as, as, a, as a body of believers of element to say, God, make it happen. God, do your work. Do your work in my life. Do your work in my church. Do your work in my village country, state, country, world, whatever. God, do your work. If you're led and the Spirit leads you, would you please come and just kind of stand here and I'm going to lead us into a word of prayer and then we're going to close with a song. Father, it's humbling. To look at your word and see when we don't align self has gotten in the way, when our perspectives are, have shifted, and it's convicting. And I pray that we would repent of that. I pray that we would confess to you, we would repent of that, and we would turn from that. And instead of making all of this about us, Father, we would cry out to you just like Habakkuk did then. Do it, God. Do it. Do it in my life. Do it in our church. Do it in our county. Do it in our state. Do it in our country. God, may that be our prayer here this morning as Element Church comes together as a body of believers that we understand that you 
are the head of this church, of this ministry, that it's all about you. And there might be things uh, in our lives, in our church, that, 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 that we experience that we can't explain. But Father, may we draw back and come into you in a humble, contrite spirit and say, Father, if this has got to happen, do it to make us new. Do it to revive us. Do it to make us hungry for you again. Do it to make us passionate for you. Do it to make us desire you in a way that you so deserve to be desired and to be worshipped and to be glorified. May the focus be shifted off of ourselves and upon you, the creator of this world, who has provided us a savior so that we can one day be be, uh, joined with you in heaven for eternity. Father, may we just experience that fellowship, that koinonia right now, though, with one another and with you. Just like when you prayed, Jesus, before you died on the cross, make them one. May we be unified as one right now. May we be praying right now to you saying, do it again. Do it. Whatever it is that you have for us, personally and corporately, do it. Do it. Father, we pray this in your name. And may you hear our prayers in your name.